This episode is brought to you by Roster Up Media, your home for tangible insights on the NFL and fantasy football. For the hottest takes and deep dives on your favorite NFL teams, as well as daily and season-long fantasy football hacks, head to rosterupmedia.com. If you love football, you'll love Roster Up. What is up, everybody? It is James McWilliams, the host of the Jet Up podcast, part of the Roster Up Media Network, also sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts. No, not really. I just got my Mike McCagden Dunkin' Donuts cup here. Get me through the afternoon. Uh, tired, tiredness. Um, so we are back with another episode here. Excited to talk free agency, some of the recap, the grades that we have for you. Uh, we're kind of going to be starting an off-season series, uh, which this will be the first episode of. We'll probably do about four or five episodes throughout the off-season uh, to bring you guys our reactions to all that's going on around the New York Jets. Um, but today, we're going to primarily cover free agency grades. Without further ado, I'm going to jump right in and just start talking about some of the signings we had this offseason and how we felt about them at JetUp. So, First, we're going to start with who did we re-sign? So Braxton Berrios. A lot of fans really clamoring hard for Braxton Berrios to be re-signed by the Jets, but I know there was also some hesitation around what that number could be. He ended up signing for a reasonable number, uh, coming back to gangrene, uh, which in all honesty, I think is a good move. I think for me, uh, the most important thing for Zach Wilson is continuity. Having the same uh, receivers that he had last year and adding on top of that is only going to help him in terms of having guys. He's already got the timing down with like Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and now Braxton Berrios coming back. Uh, Berrios is definitely kind of a Swiss army knife type player um, who can do a lot of different things. He's not going to like crazily excite you as a player in terms of mismatches and, and things that would scare an opposing defense, but he's like sneaky good and can find ways to make plays in this Mike LaFleur offense. We saw sort of how Mike LaFleur used him last year. Uh, a lot of unique ways you can use him sort of as a gadget guy on different uh, jet sweeps and um, all sorts of uh, plays in the slot. So, you know, I think it was a good move to bring him back. He's also now an all-pro kick returner um, and is also a punt returner for the team. Having a guy like that, you know, who you don't have to pay crazy money to, is just valuable for a roster that needs versatility. So I think it was good to bring him back. I know there was a fan who literally tweeted every day this offseason um, for the Jets to bring back Braxton Berrios. And when they did, I believe he reached out to her and they've actually sent her some gear and, and all this different stuff. So pretty cool that uh, people on Twitter are now actually having direct interactions with these players uh, and the organization. So something that probably didn't exist in any way, shape or form before Twitter and social media we have direct access to a lot of these players and coaches now, which is really interesting. Um, I've actually had a few former players reply to some of the tweets I put out there, usually disagreeing with me, but, you know, cool to just see them uh, having conversations with the fans. Um, so that was really cool to see. You know, I think if anything, the Berrios re-signing shows that this Jets front office is going to be willing to pay guys that perform in who are in-house. Because uh, a lot of the narrative in the past, even in Joe Douglas's first year, was letting players walk when it was time for their second contract. 
uh, and not paying them to stay, um, you know, because we felt like we could just replace them. Um, I think it's good to have some homegrown talent, people that have succeeded with the organization and then, you know, sort of re-upping and saying, we have confidence in you to continue to produce for us um, and allows players on the current roster to be more motivated to go and earn a second contract with the team because they know it's a possibility. So I think if anything, the Berrios signing does do that for us, which is great. Then another signing we had to bring a player back in was uh, uh, Coleman, uh, uh, the running back. So he's actually uh, pretty pretty much impressed a lot of people last year. I think people thought that Tevin Coleman was kind of done, that he, you know, his best days are behind him. But he was a very serviceable running back for this offense. Um, I think Michael Carter definitely proved to be the the workhorse guy in this offense, the RB one, which was awesome to see for him as a rookie. But Coleman's a really good sort of, you know, partner for him in this offense and, and you know, is always is racking up positive yardage. So um, I think he's also a good pass catching back, which you need in this offense. So excited to see us bring him back. Um, I still think we could add another running back through the draft that has a little bit more power running style. I think right now we've got a very, very um, quick type players instead of having sort of that bruiser who can get that that yard on third and one or fourth and one. Um also brought back LaMarcus Joyner. He was hurt a lot of last year. I think people forget he's a solid proven starter. He's not a star, but he's going to, you know, he's going to have a role in this, in this defense. Um, so he just needs to stay healthy. Um, so I think that's a good move having him come back um, just because this safety position for us right now is a little shaky. We'll talk about that more. Um, bringing back Joe Flacco. I think that was a good move. He's a great mentor. Um, you know, he's won a Super Bowl. He knows what it takes to get to the big game and, t- and to win the big game. Something that this ro- locker room needs more of people who know what it takes in this league to win it all. I think that's a big problem with a lot of, uh, of a locker room that's completely full of young guys because they just don't necessarily know what it takes to go the distance. So having a guy like Flacco there just can provide good perspective for the team, good leadership, and as a great mentor for Zach Wilson. I think what we learned last year, too, is that Joe Flacco is a backup who can still win football games, which is great to see because I think a lot of our backups in the past decade have been so bad that if our starter goes down, the game's already a loss. So I think it's good to have a guy like Flacco in there who can go out there and still play decent football. Nathan Shepard. So we brought back Nathan Shepard. He's another homegrown second contract guy with this team. Um, He hasn't done anything that I think has impressed fans partake, but you know, I think he has the ability to just be a good death piece on this D-line. The D-line definitely needs it right now. I think we've got some guys that have promise. Uh, we have some guys coming back from injury. Uh, you know, Shepard, just, he's just sort of a, a good rotational guy to have in this offense. And depth is a big part of free agency, which we saw also with uh, the Dan Feeney signing, the re-signing, I should say. Uh, he came in on, I think, a one-year deal last year. Um Basically, this guy is just is literally just a mullet with legs. Um, you know, he's not, not bringing too much stardom to this this uh, uh, this roster. Um, to be honest with you, he's a liability when he's out there on the field. I don't know that I was very excited about bringing back Dan Feeney, other than the New York Islanders memes we get after he takes the team to the game and, and uh, uh, shotguns a beer on live television. Um, that's the best I think we'll get out of Dan Feeney. Um, at the same time, it's just another depth signing. I think the O-line's in good shape right now. We'll talk more about that too. But 
Um, you know, just another one of those depth signings. Uh, and then two signings that I like a lot. Um, and this is very unique for the New York Jets, uh, you know, in terms of what we were used to as fans for the past few years. Um, but bringing back Eddie Pinheiro, I think he earned the right to compete for a spot on his team um, in the uh, regular season last year. He went eight for eight in the five games that he kicked for the Jets uh, and went nine for 10 on extra points. We did not have to hold our breath anymore to see if this, if our kicker would hit an extra point uh, or make a short field goal. Um, we saw some horrendous kicking from some of the kickers we've had in here the last few years where you go, how in the world has got that guy a professional football player? Eddie Pinheiro was sort of a breath of fresh air again where you say this guy can actually be a consistent kicker for us. But at the same time, Joe Douglas said, competition breeds better success. And he brought in Greg the Leg, Greg Zerline, um, to, to come in and compete for that starting kicker role. Uh, very excited about him. Uh, you know, if you have a nickname as a kicker, you're probably known as a good kicker. Um, so Greg the Leg um, coming in 82% on his field goals in 2021, went 29 for 35 on field goals. He also went 42 for 48 and extra points. Would like to see that a little bit better, um, but definitely has the league experience, a lot more experience than Pinheiro. Uh, is a reliable and a very strong leg. A lot of his field goals uh, come from beyond 50 yards, and he has no problem at that distance. 56, 59, whatever it is, he can do it. Um, you know, So it's refreshing, I think, as a fan to have two good kickers going into the season knowing that they're going to compete for that starting role. Uh, and that we, we won't have to worry too much about that on a week-to-week basis, which has just become the norm the last few years. You know, when's the last time we could say that? So uh, those are the guys we brought back and a couple new guys. I think I mentioned there. Greg Zerline was the one I wanted to mention just in that kicker conversation. Um, who did we let walk out the door? So that's what we're going to talk about next. Who do we let walk out the door as I sip my Dunkin' Donuts, Mike McKagan style? So... The one guy that I, I'm a little more upset about than the others is Foley Fadakasi. Now, Foley was drafted, I think, in the fifth or sixth round by Mike McCagnan, the same draft as Nathan Shepard. Um, and people were kind of like, who is this guy? The dude comes in, earns his stripes, you know, and becomes this vocal leader for the defense. He's the guy you see leading the, the pregame, you know, pump-up speeches in the huddle. Um, he is a run-stuffing nightmare. I mean, the guy the guy has, has, has definitely earned his contract. And I think, you know, the big issue with him was a lot of people said he wasn't a scheme fit in this defense. And I understand that. But, you know, from a late-round pick to a vocal leader and impactful starter, you know, Foley has definitely earned the contract that he, he had uh, obtained now. So very happy for him. Go kill it, sir. We will miss you in green. Um, then the next one I have here is Morgan Moses. So I call this guy, Mr. Reliable. And we have, uh, Jeff over at our, uh, Raven up podcast. Um, he is, he asked about sort of, you know, what are we getting here in, in Morgan Moses? And I just said, Mr. Reliable, man, Mr. Reliable. He's not going to go and pancake anybody. He's not going to go out there and dominate the guy across from him. Um, but, but he doesn't miss games, you know, Ravens fans are going to love that. With Lamar, the way that Lamar plays, having a reliable tackle on the right side of the line. So I think we'll miss Morgan Moses at the same time, not too heartbroken over losing him, especially uh, with some of the uh, the additions we have on the O-line this year. Next up, 
Marcus May, another guy I will miss, uh, who I hope has a great career. Um, but you know what? Coming off major injury here, a contract dispute between the Jets and him, couldn't get it done last year. I think, it, you know, with the injury only hurt him with us. And, you know, at this point, you're basically signing him based on his potential and what he's shown so far. So, you know, I don't hate that we passed on re-signing him just because of some of those things. At the same time, he is one of the top 10 safeties in the league. Um, he is a good player, and he definitely broke the second round curse for us um, by being a great player who was drafted in the second round for the Jets. So, Marcus May, we will miss you. Um, we will never forget that interception return where you fell at the one-yard line um, and on a 99-yard return. Um, but all jokes aside, you're a great player, and we hope you do well. Um, so, Marcus May, good luck, my friend. Now, probably the reason you're listening to this episode, who is going to be new in green? The guys that we're bringing in that are new faces that are going to improve this roster and get them back to playing competitive football. So going into the offseason, obviously, we had our so just specific needs everybody's aware of, but our biggest needs were guard, tight end, corner, safety, and wide receiver. So right there, there's your list. How do we go and address it? We get a guard, we get a couple tight ends, we get a corner, we get a safety. We pretty much hit on all of the needs. So you know, basically, Joe Douglas said, I'm going to go get elite proven starters. And he did that in some respects. I think he did a good job. The biggest one being Lakin Tomlinson. Lakin is a pro bowl guard. Played in the San Francisco 49 Niners system. Um, so he knows it well. Mike LaFleur system. Um, so bringing in a guy who knows what he's doing already, who has pro bowl experience just last year. Not a guy who was a pro bowl in 2012. 2014 Pro Bowl 2021. He's going to come in. He's going. He's in the prime of his career, and he's going to help to anchor the middle of that line with Elijah Vera Tucker. That is a very exciting guard duo. Those are two guys that have tremendous skill sets. Can put people into the ground. Are nasty. They bring the edge, and they they're going to be a great protection up front for Zach Wilson. Now I'm just going to read you a couple things that uh, about Tomlinson that maybe. Well, again, help you to be excited about him. From Rich Samini, he has played 100% of the team snaps over the last three years. So I just talked about Mr. Reliable in Morgan Moses. Just brought in another Mr. Reliable at a position of higher need for us at right guard. Which actually is not going to be left guard. But anyway, huge to have a guy that's in there who doesn't miss games, who, who brings Pro Bowl caliber um, you know, blocking. He's an outstanding run blocker. Excellent in this outside zone scheme. So this is going to be a really great fit. It was, this, this is a home run. This is the best signing of the offseason, bar none. Lakin Tomlinson uh, really solves the need and helps to dispel some of the, the uh, maybe the thoughts that the Jets may go with a lineman at four overall. And we'll talk more about that too. Um, but gives also more flexibility there for Joe Douglas. So he's also going to bring in locker room leadership, something that we need. Uh, we need proven veterans. I know it's great to have young guys, and we'll talk more about that too. But, you know, it's 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 good to bring in a guy who's proven, who's in his prime, who can immediately contribute, and who knows the scheme. And then via Jets X Factor, who I know a lot of you uh, tune into, uh, Tomlinson earned a, a zone blocking grade of 82 
at Pro Football Focus in 2021, which was 11th best out of 69 qualifying guards. Um, so, it, you know, that's 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 great to hear. Has he done it more than one year? Yes. In 2020, he ranked fourth best out of 67 qualifying guards with an 86.6 run blocking grade. So this is a guy that has proven it. He's proven it more than once. And we brought him in. And he's going to be wearing green for us this fall. So I'm excited for that. Keep Zach Wilson upright so he can show off that arm talent. So now we have Becton, AVT, McGovern, Tomlinson, and Fant. That's a great starting group. That's the best starting group in the AFC East, period. They were all added by Joe Douglas, and he is keeping his promise to build that wall to support Zach Wilson. And what Robert Sala said is, we're going to hold you up, Zach. You're not going to hold us up. We're going to hold you up. Literally, the offensive line is going to keep him up. So that's exciting. Um, We now have a respectable unit at the offensive line, something we haven't been able to say in quite a while. And the last time we had a respectable unit was some of the best Jets football we've seen um, in, in decades. So very exciting to bring in a guy like this to help solidify that unit. You know, I think we, we can definitely continue to improve there in the next season, uh, next off season, uh, even in this off season. But, um, I definitely think we are in a good spot finally on the offensive line. Sorry, just take, taking a little bit more coffee here. Been pretty busy today, but, uh, anyway, moving into our next, what I would say, one of our biggest needs tight end again, helping Zach Wilson, um, CJ Uzoma. You know, this is the guy coming from a super bowl, um, almost super bowl <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals. Um, he's a big time locker room leader. This is a guy that was beloved by Cincinnati. When he left, people were trying to come up with excuses as to why he shouldn't go to the jets. Cause they were just so upset that he left. It's okay, CJ. We're going to welcome you in nice and warm. You're going to get a nice starting job for the Jets. You're going to continue to dominate with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Uh, and we're just going to be just fine here, CJ. So definitely excited to bring this guy in. Um, really great locker room presence, as I said. He's going to be an awesome leader for these young guys. I think we haven't had great tight ends here in a long time. We've been trying through the draft. I think Joe Douglas was like, I just got to bring in guys that know that I know are going to be good. So CJ Uzoma. Um, you know, is going to be that guy for us. And then we went and doubled down and got Tyler Conklin from the Vikings. So he's a versatile tight end, has excellent hands. Uh, And this is the best tight end duo the Jets have had, I don't know, maybe ever. I mean, they're not like Gronk and, you know, Kelsey, but these guys are like still, you know, strong performers at the position. And we got two of them. They're coming in here. They're going to be good blockers. They're going to be great receivers. Uh, They're going to make Zach Wilson's life that much easier by finding that underneath green on the field where he can he can drop the ball up to them and let them make plays with the ball. Um, so I'm very excited for those two signings. Um, I think between those three, you've now improved your offensive line at both the guard and the tight end position and added playmakers um, that can make Zach's life easier. So great job there by Joe Douglas. And now we're going to go to the other side of the ball. So uh, Douglas addressed another need, DJ Reed at corner. This guy's a scheme fit coming from the Seahawks character fit. He's young. He has a high forced incompletion rate. This is just a straight up W. Okay. This is a great move by Joe Douglas. DJ Reed is a very confident guy. Um, going to be another vocal voice in the locker room. Um, Reed thinks he's a CB one. You know, I hope he is. I say still go get sauce Gardner. That's my opinion, you know, and make it an elite group. I'd rather have two lockdown corners 
uh, then take the chance that Reed doesn't become a lockdown corner and we have no lockdown corners, right? So go get Sauce Gardner. In best case scenario, you have two lockdown corners. So totally open to that. I know a lot of people are very opposed to going corner saying we don't need a corner. We got DJ Reed. Look, you know, our corners are nothing special. Bryce Hall has definitely exceeded expectations. Um, you know, Brandon Eccles exceeded expectations, but these guys haven't proven much yet. So I say go get a guy who could be a serious elite corner in the draft, but that's for another episode. In this episode, we got DJ Reed, and we're very excited about that. This guy's going to be great for us. He plays really hard, um, you know, and and he just makes plays. He's a good ball hawk. We, we haven't had that in a while, um, something we needed uh, on this roster. We have guys that basically just don't know how to find the ball, and DJ Reed does. So welcome to the team, DJ Reed. Can't wait to see you play. Staying on that side of the ball, addressing another need. We lost Marcus May in free agency. We got Jordan Whitehead. Now, Jordan Whitehead, I wouldn't say he's the same level as Marcus May, but he's not that far off. I mean, they play a little bit different position. You know, Whitehead's more of a strong safety. Um, so he's a hard hitter. He's great against the run. Um, a reliable tackler, something we really need. Um, so I'm excited to see him light some guys up this fall, hopefully without any penalty flags thrown. Um, but he's kind of a do-it-all guy, really versatile. I was reading something from Robert Sala where he said Whitehead had to play a lot of different positions in uh, in, in uh, Tampa Bay, but now he's going to play one position, and, and Sala wants to maximize how good he can be at that one position. So I really am excited to see him play. He's definitely going to bring bring the uh, bring the boom this fall. So welcome to the squad, Jordan Whitehead. Hopefully, this reduces the Jets' desire to take someone like Kyle Hamilton in the draft, even though they're pretty different players. But definitely lessens the need to go and get a safety. Like we had mentioned earlier, we have LaMarcus Joyner. Now pair him with Jordan Whitehead. <clears throat> it's a decent safety duo. Not uh, not upset with that. And then we brought in uh, was it Jacob Martin, or I can't remember exactly. Martin. Uh, <laughs> I'm just calling him Martin because I don't have it written down here. Situational edge rusher, um, you know, very fast kind of edge rusher, adds speed to this defense, doesn't have crazy numbers, uh, but he has he adds speed. We need speed. A lot of power guys need some speed guys. So excited to see him play in this defense where he can be a little bit more of a free runner. What this offseason has really told me is that the Jets have come a long way. The Jags are the Jags, the the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, are a perfect example of who the Jets were five years ago. Overpaying for medium level talent like crazy instead of having a measured approach. And I know sometimes as Jets fans we can get impatient and go go sign these guys. You do not want to pay ridiculous contracts to guys that are not at that elite level. And that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing. And if we had a Jaguar show on this network, I would ask the person what they think. I'm assuming they'd be fairly upset with the way things have been going this offseason because the Jaguars make all these signings. They spend millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on these guys. And these guys, they're not going to move the needle. They're just not. So, Glad the Jets are no longer in that position. Glad we're doing it right. It seems, at least. All right, now let's talk about some of the things we missed on. So, in the offseason, 
Marcus Williams, big target for the Jets in terms of <clears throat> fills a huge need for us at safety, but also even improves that position better than Marcus May, Marcus Williams. Would have cost a lot of money. Absolutely. I get that argument. Would have cost a lot of money. We got DJ Reed and we got Jordan Whitehead instead of Marcus Williams. That was our plan B, though. Marcus Williams, don't kid yourself. He is better than both of those guys. Okay. He's better than both of them. He would have made more of an impact than they both will. That's my that's my take. You might disagree, but Marcus Williams is elite, top three safety in the league, period. This is a guy that will make a difference on Sunday. Now, I'm not a huge guy on in terms of going hard after safeties, but it was a big need for us, losing Marcus May. So I think Marcus Williams would have been a really nice piece. I am not at all, though, upset with plan B, going after Jordan Whitehead and DJ Reed. I think... You fill two needs instead of one. So that's the argument. I get it. Um, so I'm okay with that. Would have liked to bring in Williams, though. Really would have made a difference on this D. You know, so anyway, I think we can go still and improve that secondary in the draft. You know, but missing out on Marcus Williams definitely hurt a little bit. Now, another guy we missed out on. I'm going to talk about him. Tyree Kill. This was tough, okay, because the, just the prospect of having this guy on your team and then not getting him, it's just like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows for a Jet fan. You see this, you're like, we're in the mix. Not only are we in the mix, we are a top two potential destination here. We got to be out the Dolphins. Of course, had to be the Dolphins. Couldn't be someone else. Couldn't be a non-divisional opponent or a non-rival. Had to be a rival in the division. He chooses the Dolphins. He obviously wanted to go to the Dolphins. Can we stop with these takes that he might have wanted to go to the Jets? I think the deal was done with the Jets. I think it was they said it was Monday. But by Wednesday, the Dolphins had kind of gotten in the mix, presented an offer. The offer was comparable to the Jets' offer. And Tyreek wanted to go there more, so they gave him a say. Before that, I don't think he had much of a say there. So, goes to the Dolphins. Jets fans everywhere are heartbroken. I get it. At first, I'm kind of like, whatever, Tyreek Hill. But then I'm like, wow, imagine that guy playing next to Elijah Moore. That would have been nice. Would have also allowed us to just go and say, forget wide receiver in the first or two, two rounds of this draft. We're good. But, you know, we didn't get him. You know, what, what I find interesting about this is, like, everyone just kind of glazed over the fact that Tyreek Hill has so many just, like, moral issues and character issues. And the dude's, like, a domestic abuser. And everyone just, like, for, completely forgets about that because of his talent. So that actually made me feel a little bit better, just knowing that we were not getting a guy like that. What everyone else is kind of forgetting is, like, Everyone just keeps talking about, oh, like, they're not a Joe Douglas type of guy. Like, that's why he didn't go after them, or that's why he didn't draft that guy, or whatever. Tyree Kill is not a Joe Douglas type of guy. He's as far from it as you can even think of. And yet, Douglas was going to go and throw everything to go get this guy, you know, and, and pay him a new contract and all that. But, you know, I just think we need to be careful to to pigeonhole our GM and say he'll, he'll never sign a guy that is not, like, the highest of character. I think he likes bringing in guys who have high character. I mean, he's done that with some of these offseason signings like CJ Uzoma. But Tyreek Hill does not fit that bill. And you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay we didn't get him. 
Yes, he's elite. And please stop telling me he's not elite now that he's on the Dolphins. That guy's elite. Top three receiver in the NFL, period. There is no one like Tyreek Hill in the NFL. But that doesn't mean we can't compete with the Dolphins. We can go out there, put out a good defense, good pass rush. Got to improve the pass rush. Get some solid corners out there. And then have an offense that can score points as well. Having Elijah Moore and Corey Davis is not enough. Braxton Berrios is not enough. We got to go get a guy in the draft who can really dominate defenses, make mismatches happen so that those other guys like Elijah Moore can free up. Everyone's just trying to turn Elijah Moore into wide receiver one. Maybe he could become that, but we need to stop just like convincing ourselves of things because we want them to be a certain way and because we're upset about a Tyreek Hill signing. Um, I think we just need to acknowledge Tyreek Hill is elite. Him playing next to Jalen Waddell is absolutely a cheat code and is an insane matchup nightmare that we're going to have to deal with twice a year. Um, but the Dolphins as a whole, you know, I think, you know, we can compete with them. But we need to stop also assuming that the Dolphins are just a win on the calendar. We're 0-12 the last two years in our division. We are we are the worst team in this division. Period. We need to just acknowledge that. And until we prove otherwise, that's what we are. So we need to go out there and win games and show that we're not the worst team. But all these teams are just going to keep getting better. We need to start realizing that. So. We can't just sit around and just hope that over the years we'll just continue to climb up that ladder. Buffalo Bills are getting better. Dolphins are getting better. Patriots are getting better. We got to get even better than them. So, you know, I'm upset a little bit that we didn't get the talent in Tyreek Hill, but it doesn't, doesn't mean the world's ending. We can figure this thing out. Okay? So my overall grade, let's go into it for the offseason, is an A. I'm giving the New York Jets an A great now and I sort of toyed with a B plus because we didn't go and get an elite receiver Allen Robinson signed somewhere else Devontae Adams signed somewhere else Tyreek Hill signed somewhere else we're hearing a little bit of talk that Douglas might make a move and go and find a wide receiver before the draft like an AJ Brown or DK Metcalf or Debo Samuel look I'll be the first one to be excited about that when that happens but that has not happened as of today so I give the, the offseason an A because of the needs addressed and because of what it does for the draft. Because we have addressed these positions, we can now go into the draft and find the best players. Worry a little bit less about need because we addressed guard, we addressed tight end, we addressed corner, and we addressed safety. So now we can go get the edge and we can go get the wide receiver. And yeah, maybe the corner too, like I said, if he's there. But I, I just don't I don't think you have to to pigeonhole yourself now. You have you've addressed needs with proven starters, guys that have done it and have done it for multiple years and that can immediately make an impact and improve our team. So you can go into this draft with confidence and go and get the positions of of, of guys that you absolutely love. In some years you go, oh, well, we're just not ready to go get that kind of guy. We got to fix this. We got to fix that. We're fixing it. A lot of it's fixed. You know, we're getting there. So it's time. It's time to go get the most elite players we can. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but we don't have to worry about O-line early on. And I'm tired of these Icky, Ikwanu, and, and Neil mocks. It's not going to happen. I'd be shocked if we took one of those guys at four overall. I just would. I think Robert Sala is too loud of a voice. 
he wants an edge too bad um, for us to pass up on one at four overall. Now, a lot of fans are doubting Makai Becton. This is something I'm seeing a lot. Um, you know, healthy and motivated Makai Becton changes everything for this team, period. He's a monster. That's why I think fans are so passionate about him coming back healthy. The emotion fans are showing online is a little bit misplaced and comes across to Becton as fans bashing him. Um, you know, I think it's just the knowledge of how good he can be and the fear fans have that he won't return to that form with this injury, with some of the the slow rehabbing, um, you know, some of the, the posting of him, you know, gaming instead of training. This guy's training people. This is the NFL. He needs to earn a second contract just like everybody else. And he knows it. You think he's just playing video games from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to sleep. This guy's out there. He's training. He might play video games too. People don't train for 24 hours a day. Okay. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So anyway, uh, I know a lot of the stuff that that's, that stuff is like, you know, the doubt of Makai Becton is, is circling around, but I ran a poll where we had hundreds of votes, like almost 700 votes. Uh, and the results were that 91% of people are saying they still believe in Makai Becton. So Makai, if you ever hear this, you probably won't. We still believe in you. I believe in you. I think he's going to come back and just pancake some dudes, and then all the noise around him is just going to completely stop. Um, he needs to remind everybody what type of player he is. So I'm excited to see him do that. Which brings me back to the reason I bring this up. Translation, Joe Douglas, don't draft a tackle at four overall. Thank you. Now just some general thoughts. So about social, about uh, the offseason free agency. Um, so something we just need to recognize is like the best teams, like I said, don't sit around and wait for the bad teams to catch up. You have to be aggressive every single year or you're toast. The Jets have made improvements this offseason. I know we're all excited about them. But at this moment in time, the talent on their roster is fourth out of four teams in the AFC East. The draft can only do so much to help that ranking, and like it or not, that's just a reality. I get the whole build the young roster that can grow together approach, but there's something to say about having veterans who know what it takes to win in this league in the same locker room, and I think we've started to do that and have to keep doing that. I do think, like I said, Drew Douglas has finally considered that and said, I can't just have an entire team of drafted players. I have to go and find a few guys that have done it before. Um, you know, if we want to compete in the AFC East, let alone the AFC, which is now completely loaded, we have to get proven guys, elite guys. Um, you know, some of it has to, these guys not coming to the Jets. I know why we're upset. Some of them not coming here, but some of it has to do with the Jets not being competitive in recent years. And, you know, the truth is you have to build a good foundation before the top guys will want to come here. Go win eight to nine games and watch what happens. I I'm very pleased, though, that the Jets have moved away from the off-season circus narrative uh, that we used to hear all the time. Um, under this current regime, regime, we have not had that. Um, you know, I hated that narrative. As a fan, it was, like, embarrassing as, as that persisted and just felt like we were the laughing stock in a lot of different ways. But just not that's not the way it's been the last couple of years. It seems slowly and steadily getting back to being a respectable organization starts with Douglas, then Sala, then this team and the leaders on this team. 
So I think we're, we're, we're close. Um, you know, the Douglas and Salah are all business. They've restored, restored some of that stability in this franchise. Uh, and it's clear some of these free agents were brought in because they feel that. They even mention that in a lot of their interviews, that someone like Robert Sala is the reason they chose the Jets. That's something we have not been able to say in, in past years about our coaches. So, in closing, uh, I'd love to see the Jets trade for a player like A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf. I, re- I really would. I, I'm totally up for paying that type of guy. They're young. They can make a huge difference on this team. It would also free us up to just take edge and corner in the first round and stop having this debate of whether we should take a receiver. At the same time, I don't think taking a receiver in the first round or second round this year is going to be a problem. I think we'll do it um, regardless of what we do with any of these potential trades. There's just too much receiver talent in this draft to pass up. We need depth, uh, if anything. But a team with Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, A.J. Brown, if that happens, Carl Lawson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Sauce Gardner, and some of these free agency additions would make the Jets a truly respectable team. You know, in, in the scenario that we're talking about here, the old line's already fixed. Edge is fixed. The secondary's fixed. The team has elite playmakers that the league has to respect. Now it all becomes... Is Zach the guy? That's all you have to answer at that point. You've already surrounded him now with every single possible tool he needs to succeed. And if that's the only question mark you have, that's a good thing. Because now he has everything he needs to be a competitive, playoff-ready quarterback. So it just comes down to, is Zach the guy? So go fill every single position we need to make it obvious whether or not Zach is that guy. He had a bad rookie year. He improved down the stretch, but he has not proven anything yet. This year, he'll have a much better team to work with, and we'll see a little bit more whether Zach is the franchise quarterback for the New York Jets. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jet Up Podcast. We will see you next time. Again, this is the first of our off-season series episodes. Um, Share, subscribe. We appreciate your support. Head to rosterupmedia.com for more content like this. And we will see you next time. Go Jets. All gas, no break. We'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Jet Up. Remember to go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter at JetUpPod. This episode is brought to you by Roster Up Media, where football meets data. Head to rosterupmedia.com for more great NFL content.